0: Welcome to the Entrepreneurs Visiting Victor podcast with Victor Dadaj, where you'll hear stories and strategies to help increase your sales and grow your business. Here's your host, Victor Dadaj.
1: All right, welcome to Entrepreneurs Visiting Victor. I'm your host, Victor Dadaj. I hope you're having an amazing day. Today we have an awesome guest. He is a certified plan- financial planner and is an Ivy League-educated real estate entrepreneur and coach. And upon graduation from Columbia University in 2011, he embarked on a career in financial planning and AXA advisors before transitioning to high-net-worth asset management at Bridgewater Advisors. And then in 2015, he launched his own real estate development company in his hometown of Philadelphia and has since gone on to gut renovate over 300-plus rental properties across the country using the BRRRR strategy. He is raising his sons, Brian Third and Thomas, in the Bronx with his wife, Zila. Uh, 24-7 Cashflow University was founded by him to teach students how to create passive income and escape their nine-to-five job. Through his 100 Key Dollars Masterclass, he teaches students how to full go, renovate, acquire, and stabilize cash flow cash flowing rental property portfolios. The course contains his proven methods that allow him to scale his operation from one deal to over 100 properties per year. Most 100 key dollar masterclass students that implement his strategies are able to retire themselves from their day jobs within 12 to 36 months. So let's welcome Brian Grimes. How are you doing today, Brian? Good, good. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on. So Brian, let's get started. as you to uh, please share your story. How did you wind up becoming an entrepreneur?
0: Well, wow, I think it was really a combination of just, you know, growing up under, you know, two entrepreneurial parents. Uh, both of my parents have been in entrepreneurial roles uh, for their uh, essentially entire careers. So, you know, growing up, I knew that uh, if I was going to work, um, you know, I, I grew up as a basketball guy, so I definitely wanted to play professionally. But uh, after several injuries and and that not kind of panning out, I knew that I wanted to be my own boss and kind of do my own thing. So I got straight into financial planning out of uh, Columbia University because I wanted to control my own schedule. That resulted in me you know, being 100 percent commission, kind of eating what I killed uh, there. So uh, learning the ropes, cold calling, kind of doing all that hardcore commission sales stuff. And it um, ultimately led to me just saving all my money and putting it into real estate, you know, another entrepreneurial uh, position.
1: No, awesome. So it seems like it, it's been in your blood because you got it from both your parents who are both entrepreneurs. And uh, so you did a number of different things. First, he wants to be a basketball player, uh, a big basketball fan, so it's good to hear. And then, unfortunately, because of several injuries, uh, it derailed your desire to be a professional basketball player, but you always knew you wanted to be your own boss. So basically, you, you did financial planning while studying at Columbia University, and you did that for a number of years before uh, transitioning into uh, real estate. Now, could you talk about your early career in financial planning and how that influenced everything uh, up to what you were doing today?
0: Yeah, I mean, when when you're in financial planning, it's a really interesting field to be in when you're a young guy because. You get to see the final result of people's financial decisions. So I remember um, when I was doing a stint of uh, Medicare sales, in particular, uh, particular, I was running in and out of like you know old retirement homes and um, seeing people from all these different walks of life. Some people who were well off and were maybe in that top five percent of wealth, and then people who were you know just getting by paycheck to paycheck or living off of the government uh, checks that they were given. And um, it, it kind of just shapes your mindset of who you want to be. You can kind of see, if I don't mind my financial act together, I'm going to end up here. And if you don't want to be there, uh, you, know, you know you better get into action and, and get into something like real estate that can build cash flow, break you free from the nine to five, give you generational wealth and, and some of these different benefits um, that are out there. So it definitely shapes your mindset. But it also makes you it gives you what they call rhino skin, because in order to be successful, in that industry, which has a ten percent retention rating, uh, so you know ninety percent of the people fail out. You have to be thick skinned. You have to cold call. You have to face adversity and p- possible failure from essentially day one in your early twenties. Um, I've watched multiple people just fail out of that business. So it uh, it definitely shapes you as an entrepreneur. The the guys who were uh, there who were a little bit older than me and who had done it for you know twenty to thirty years. They would just say, look, if you stop doing this, whatever you do next, you're going to be hyper successful because of this experience. And, and that has been 100 percent true. Well,
1: wow, no, that's pretty, uh, pretty cool. Thanks for sharing that. So, uh, yes, yeah, so you mentioned that you saw the final result of people's decisions. So you saw people from all walks of life, some that were really, really successful and some that were struggling paycheck to paycheck. So you saw all kinds of uh, people and then it made you think uh, deeply saying, you know, you know I got to think about how, how I don't want to handle my future because I can either be like these people that are struggling which I don't want or I could be more like these people that are successful. so I guess that's one of the reasons why down the road you eventually venture into real estate because one of the things as you mentioned it gives you cash flow and um, and you also mentioned and it's pretty interesting because yeah in in, men, in this is one of the fields where you do have to have thick skin or as you call their rhino skin because you have to call call people and when you're call calling people, You never know what kind of response you're going to get from people because uh, especially if they woke up on the wrong side of the bed that morning, they're like, uh, oh yeah, they're going to say all kinds of things to you and you just can't take it personally. So if you can, if you can learn to deal with that for a year or two or three you know, like you say, you're dealing with adversity. And have, if you can overcome that adversity, it can make you a stronger person. And and you said there's a 90% failure. It's only about ten percent of people are in the financial planning industry actually survived after a number of years. So if you can overcome that adversity, you could handle pretty much anything um, that, you know, you venture into. And I'm sure that's been the case in real estate because you overcame, you overcame so much adversity when you do financial planning as. Uh, now dealing with real estate, you know, you, obviously you still got to deal with some adversity, but I'm sure it's it's not as bad as it was in financial planning. Is that correct? I,
0: I mean, it, it's tough to say, because with real estate, you're dealing with it as well. And you'll have, yeah. you know, scam contractors who are going to run off of 40 mm-hmm. grand on your projects. And you're dealing with city inspectors who uh, have a superiority complex and want to shut down your project and, you know, do things that they don't have to do. Uh, you're dealing with bad appraisals. you're dealing with lenders. you're dealing with fear, uh, lack of knowledge, and costly mistakes. A, a mistaken, you know a bad cold call, somebody curses you out and you know you kind of make the next call and move on. If you get stuck in a bad deal, you could lose fifty thousand dollars and you have to figure that out uh, how to recover, how to get back on your feet. So um I think you you face a lot of adversity in life, especially when you're dealing with the school of hard knocks. when you have, You know, mentorship or a guide like when I was doing the financial planning, I had some great mentors. I I would say arguably some of the best mentors in my life were the guys who were at that financial planning firm who were teaching me how to do business and how to uh, run a company. And um, if you don't have that mentorship and you're just going through the school of hard knocks, you're going to get slapped around, arguably even worse because you have to figure it out on your own.
1: No, and and that is a very good point. And unfortunate thing, a lot of times when people try to venture on on their own and be, try to be entrepreneurs, they try to figure it out all on their own. And there's such a huge learning curve. And like you said, and uh, you mentioned the adversity in financial planning. You just also mentioned that in real estate, you're dealing with a lot of different types of adversity too, such as you know scam contractors, uh, the, the tough city inspectors, bad appraisals, fear, lack of knowledge, bad deals where you can lose up to fifty thousand. So. Um, all those things that, that can be a really big headache. And and when you're trying to figure out on your own, you can make a lot of mistakes. I mean, you're always going to make mistakes anyways when you get started. But if you have a mentor in both of these industries, the mentors are going to help reduce the number of mistakes you make. So it'll get you much more quickly into success. And that's one of the great value of having a mentor is because they teach you to avoid these things. So you make fewer mistakes. And because if you try to figure out, you're going to get so frustrated. You know, a lot of times you're just going to give up because you say, this doesn't work. But the mentor says yeah. it does. You just do this instead of doing that. Is that correct? That is
0: that is correct. And um, like, for instance, when I was working at the financial planning firm, I had my, one of my mentors, he says, Brian, um, you're great at phone calls. You're great at calling. But where do you make the most money? And I said, well, I, I guess at the meeting where you're closing business, he said, exactly. So what you need to do is hire an assistant to make those phone calls and schedule those appointments for you. And at the time, I mean, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I'm on commission. I say, well, I can't afford an assistant. He says, you know, when you get an assistant, I said, when? Before you think you can afford it. And I did that. I listened to him. I would have never done this before. I probably would have burned out, right, from just overactivity, too many phone calls, and just uh, not making enough money. I hired that assistant. Quickly, I have my first $15,000, $20,000 month. Shortly thereafter. And that mentorship, having that knowledge and that foresight to know that, hey, you're going to waste another two, three years waiting around to feel ready to hire an assistant versus doing it now and having your first $20,000 a month, 30, 40 days from now, having that knowledge is just like priceless. You almost can't put a price on good mentorship.
1: No, and that's that's a great example that you shared. You know, one of your mentors at your old financial planning firm, he told you, hey, Brian, you know, you're really great at phone calls, and that's great, but what where do you make the most money? He said meetings, and so you, he wanted you to focus on meetings. He said get yourself an assistant, but you're like, I'm not sure if I can afford one, but he says that's the time to get is when you think you can not afford one, and that's the most operative time, and then once you, you finally say, all right, I'll get the assistant, you had a fifteen to $20,000 a month, and everything just continued, you know, to go up after that. And that's the thing, because it allows you to scale up and people understand and the beginning, if you try to do everything, you're going to get overwhelmed and you're doing a lot of things that are not really money producing activities. Um, having the AA, you know, the assistant do that allows you to focus on the things that will make you the money. And there's a saying, one of my mentors told me, he says, if you don't have an assistant, then you are an
0: assistant. You know? <laughs> I like so, that, actually. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, yeah, so doing those things, you just focus on the things you're really good at. And as a result, that allows you to start making more money and allows you to scale up more and more. So just that one little tip from your mentor just totally changed your career. And and you just started making a lot more money. So for those of you who don't have a mentor and uh, thinking about whether you should get one, just that one tip Brian just gave about how his career changed from what his mentor told him, tells you, you know, you should really look into getting a mentor. So um, now let's get into, um, you know, so you shared your financial planning career. Now let's go into real estate. So uh, what were the reasons you got into real estate? I guess one was cash, which you mentioned earlier. Were there other reasons why you wanted to do real estate?
0: I think uh, I I always viewed real estate as one of those uh, unregulated industries as well. Like when you're doing financial planning and you're a licensed insurance agent and you're licensed this, you're dealing with all these regulatory uh, bodies That are are going to hinder your ability to market yourself. They're going to kind of hold you down a bit. And then you're paying all these fees and renewal fees, renewal certs. It's it's okay. But real estate is kind of one of those pure industries where you can get in. You don't need a license to be a real estate investor. You just need the knowledge, uh, just that know-how. A little bit of capital, maybe you you can even invest uh, these days with strategies that don't require you know tons of cash or really any, even any credit, like creative financing strategies. And it just it fascinated me as a you know a Columbia University econ major as an entrepreneur. I knew that most millionaires you know in the world were made through real estate. So if I want to acquire wealth. Um, get some of those tax write-offs and advantages that the U.S. tax code was kind of written for, which is uh, property owners, landowners, and business owners, that I needed to get myself into real estate uh, ASAP. So it was really a no-brainer for me. I was essentially just working to save up enough money to put into more properties and more properties until I could break free.
1: No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's a, there's a lot less regulation. You can market yourself. You don't have to pay all those various fees that you have to do in other industries. You don't need a license to get involved in it. And you mentioned most millionaires, they did it through real estate. And there's a lot of tax benefits and rights that you can do as well. Now, right, as you know, real estate can also be cyclical. As so we're going through a time, you know, recently the past year has been downturn. We had that in 2008. But it, you know, because I don't know, I don't know a whole lot about the industry, but you could tell me more. But I, what I know, other industries, even when times are going down, there's still money to be made in those industries. Does the same thing apply to real estate? Even a downturn, you could still make money in it.
0: Yeah. Well, most millionaires uh, in real estate are made uh, by buying in at the bottom of recessions. So during times of recessions, this is where the millionaires are born. So right now many millionaires will be born uh, in real estate. What I will say about real estate is where most people get it wrong is they try to invest with one strategy. There's a ton of gurus and talking heads out there, and they all have essentially just one strategy. There's the Airbnb guy. Uh, Everything's all about Airbnb, and that's the only way to go. And then you'll have the um, buy and hold guy. You'll have the buy and flip guy. You'll have the tax credit guy. You'll have the guy who's Just the land deal guy, whoever controls the dirt controls the deal. You'll have all these different sayings. But because the industry is cyclical, you actually need multiple investment strategies, which is why when I'm doing like my mentorship program for my people, I'm teaching six core strategies, how to buy and flip, buy and hold, do creative financing, which is investing with no cash or credit how to go to the share of sales, tax sales, and buy properties from uh, motivated sellers, people in pre-foreclosure. So when you have multiple strategies, you can actually pivot as the market changes. And that is how you survive within the real estate game. You can guarantee one thing, whatever's working today will not necessarily be working tomorrow. So you need multiple strategies to stay in the game. They say it's not how uh, good you're doing now, it's how long you're doing good and you will do good for much longer if you have multiple strategies uh, that you can tap into as the market flexes.
1: No, no, that's some really good advice there. You know, uh, right now, uh, yeah, don't use just one strategy and one strategy that may work now may not work a year from now because the cyclical things change. And uh, so you need to have multiple strategies. And you say you teach your students six core strategies. So, So that's good. So you can know. Now, there are six core strategies, so they do it at different times. Are, are, are there times, like certain years, maybe you can do two or three different strategies, maybe one region you can use one, like say the South Southeast versus the Western US, you do another strategy. Does it, does it work that way sometimes?
0: Definitely. I would say at, at all times, out of the core six, you can do at least two to three. And what you'll find is um, there are some years where you could do 5 or all six, right? They're all profitable because the market is essentially just trending up. But what you also find is that you're out of a six core uh, strategy package, two or three are going to resonate with who you are. It's very important to pick strategies that match your personal brand, who you are. That could be buying, flipping, because you're not really into holding properties long term. Uh, Maybe you're in a priced out market and you want multifamily assets, but you live in California, you live in New York, and it's too expensive, or the landlord tenant laws aren't favorable there. So then you need to do that strategy out of town, investing in more affordable markets. So there's different skill sets that you need to learn. So even a strategy that doesn't work in your micro market, because real estate is a micro local market, that same strategy may work in another market across the country. So you need to have another skill set, which is how to invest out of town. So there's just multiple wrinkles to this game, which is why having the right guidance is so key. It can truly unlock your profitability.
1: No, I agree. That makes sense. So one strategy that you're doing now, um, it maybe it doesn't work in you know, a local area, but you can try it in a different area. And you know, also something that's in tune with the kind of brand you have. It's like maybe you like to flip houses. So yeah, so those are definitely things things to keep in mind. I guess you just gotta be flexible because I think, like you said, if you're just an Airbnb guy or a land deal guy, or a tax rate guy, uh, you can you can lose out on a lot of good deals because you just focus on one thing. So you definitely need to be flexible. Now is it would you say it's also a good idea to network with a lot of other successful real estate agents who are doing different things do you think network is really uh, useful in this industry
0: Networking can be useful to a degree I think um you know having good relationships is not bad I don't know that you necessarily need to be networked with a bunch of agents but um knowing a bunch of you know lenders having multiple lenders you need to have at least 3 lenders uh, to be successful in this game because one lender could get shut down. One lender could stop taking business. You want to always have multiple options. You want to uh, definitely connect with wholesalers and people who can source off-market deals. You need to know more contractors and multiple contractors so that you can scale up your operation and build out. So having relationships, having um, you know networking opportunities is definitely key. Real estate, uh, the advice I'll give is real estate is a team sport. So in order to build 100 houses in a year, you have to play team sports. You have to have a lot of different relationships and leverage and architects and engineers and permit expediters and all these different professionals. But ownership of real estate is a solo sport. It's like tennis or golf. You want to own your real estate by yourself. You want to be the shot caller, make all the decisions, because once you partner up at that ownership level, now you... Are not only dealing with real estate you're dealing with personalities people management and other drama that can distract you from even making the money so um yeah that that's that's what i'll say about that
1: all right now that makes sense so yeah definitely build a lot of relationships with lenders wholesalers and contractors so relationships are very important there and you know setting up the real estate it seems for but ownership is a solo job you don't want to be porno with too many people because there can be a bunch of different headaches uh involved in that now for those that are, like, interested in learning, trying to get, learn more about real estate, and they're saying, yeah, I've heard it's good, and uh, but they don't know anything. What would you recommend to a newbie who wants to get started in real estate? What are things they should consider doing and things they
0: should probably avoid? They should consider mentorship first. I, I always tell people, because uh, people come to me, they say, Brian, I got five grand saved. I got 10 grand saved. What should I invest in? I say, well, you. You should invest in you, your knowledge first, before you go out and invest in real estate because real estate is a big boy game. If One mistake could cost you $40,000, $50,000 and you don't need to go through that pain trying to figure this out on your own when somebody else has already lost half a million or a million dollars and has put all of that knowledge and those lessons into a dedicated course or mentorship program for you. So I would say to explore, try to find the right fit of a mentor prior to engaging in real estate investing to get the best value for your money. So, uh, that's step one. Um, you can definitely tap into different resources, free, you know, YouTube platforms. Like I have a YouTube channel, Brian loves cashflow. You can always tap in there and there's a ton of knowledge, like hundreds of hours of just content dedicated to education on, on real estate and how to get started as a new investor. So just tapping into some free content, but also looking for that right fit of a mentor I think will save you hundreds of thousands of dollars like long-term.
1: And right, that makes sense. So uh, basically and I agree to get the mentorship because this person has made the mistake. So you, you know, you want to avoid making a $40,000 mistake, invest in the mentor, the mentor, he'll make sure that you avoid that. And like I said, there's also free resources out there, like, like YouTube channels. So, you, you know, so maybe you want to do that before you start investing in the mentor. So you can do that first and then invest in the mentor. Now I think I already know the answer to this, but, uh, some people say real estate or the stock market, what is better? So
0: what would you say? <laughs> I, th- I would answer that to say, what is easier? So is it easier to navigate the stock market when there's millions, maybe billions of stocks and securities and derivatives um, that are, you know, all paper-based assets where you have limited visibility behind the veil of the actual management of these companies versus if you go into a major city maybe there are 2000 properties listed on the market for sale at any given time, which means you could look and evaluate every one of those 2000 properties. You could look at that online in about two weeks, and then you'd have a full scope of what the value of the real estate in that city is. And if there are any assets that are mispriced that you can capitalize on. So I would argue that mastering the real estate game as an investor is a lot easier There's a lot more tax benefits and tax write-offs, and there's more immediate cash flow in real estate, uh, multiple ways to make money with appreciation, tax write-offs, ghost depreciation, and cash flow. Uh, To me, real estate is just an easier, better wealth-building asset. If I thought the stock market was better, I'd just go do that, right? But I can't find anything that beats uh, real estate in terms of appreciation, depreciation, tax write-offs, and cash flow. Uh, it, it's just the ultimate trifecta.
1: No, thanks for sharing that because I know there are a lot of people there that look at both and they're saying, you know, which one is better? Cause some people think stocks, it feels real. estate. you gave your viewpoint and you mentioned some of the benefits, more tax benefits, more cash flow, appreciation, depreciation. And it's just it's just easier to make money in it. And there's a lot. I think sometimes I think with the stomach, you also have to like when you're investing, you also have to deal against the institutions which have a lot of the money in it, and whatever yeah. they do, they they have a much bigger effect on the market than your investment. So uh, that that can be a tricky thing to handle as well in in terms of dealing with the stock market. Now, some people like always wonder because we hear about you know getting stuff you know no money down. Is it is it possible to invest in real estate without cash or credit
0: at all? It's a hundred percent possible. I would say you you need a really good teacher to show you how to do it. Um, because it can come off as very complex. But the overall strategy uh, behind that is just helping people. It's just coming up with win-win scenarios. If somebody's in a foreclosure, there are 2 million successful foreclosures in America every year. People are getting foreclosed on. So if you can come to somebody who's in that process and give them a creative solution to get out of foreclosure, they they may deed over the property for a dollar, just to get out of the foreclosure. And you can control that asset through the deed, correct the existing debt on the property and reposition that asset to somebody who wants to rent to own or do some other type of uh, exit strategy with that property and create a win-win scenario for you, uh, the person who was in foreclosure and the person who wants to rent to own. That would be like a subject to type of a structure of a deal. There are definitely ways to acquire assets. I have mentees right now who are acquiring assets uh, without cash or credit, um, you know, all over the country with these creative financing strategies. And these aren't new strategies. I'm not inventing them. They've, there's nothing new under the sun, but these strategies have been around forever, essentially. It's just a matter of learning about them and then learning how to help people and getting in front of those people who need your help.
1: Well, uh, thanks, Shannon. You gave that really good example foreclosure. So you know, one person trying to get out of foreclosure. So you might be able to get a really small amount, like for a dollar or two, but you help them get out of foreclosure and you also help the person renting the home. So like, they're like, everyone's winning in that situation. So that's definitely, definitely yeah. a really good example. So one other question I have is, because as you know, uh, in many neighborhoods, you know, a lot of places, the prices of real estate has gone really high. So now how, is there a way to, you know, get through, you know, some people
0: call this the affordable housing crisis. Yeah, um, I, I would say the way to combat the way I've been combating the affordable housing crisis is through co-living. So um, what I'll do is I'll take properties and, and I'm a full gut renovation specialist to a degree. I've done over 300 full gut jobs uh, over the last decade. What I'll do is I'll take a single family starter home, like a three bed, one bath, and I'll gut renovate it into three master suites, three beds, three baths. The only way to get to, to the uh, bathroom is through the bedroom. So now you have three master suites that you can rent out for a fraction uh, of the cost of a traditional like studio apartment. So if a studio is renting for $1,000 a month, I can rent out these co-living units for $700, $750, $800 a month, utilities included. Because I have three rents now coming out of that single family asset, the house that used to rent for $1,300 a month, I can get $2,300 a month out of. So I've increased the cash flow of that asset by $1,000 a month. And I've created this affordable housing structure where somebody can come in and rent for $800 a month, utilities included, internet, and get this type of product. You know, millions of Americans are living in their parents' basement or on their friend's couch because they can't afford even the common studio. So creating this type of housing um, definitely wins. But if you're in a priced out market, the first thing to do is learn how to invest out of town and um, invest in places like Cleveland and Philly, Baltimore, Delaware, and some of these more affordable markets where your money goes further. Because if you can take the value you would have put into one property and spread it across five, you now have 5X the properties that can cash flow you, appreciate, give you tax write-offs, and do all these wonderful things.
1: No, that's some really good advice there. So you're a full-go renovator, so you could take a single family house and say you're renting for 1300 and you change it into pre-master suites and they're like 1700 bucks so you're getting three families that are able to live they have somewhere to live and it's affordable for them but at the same time you're also getting 23 to 2400 you're getting like an extra thousand dollars to rent as well so it's a win-win for you, but it's also a win-win for these families because they have a place that's more affordable for them to rent so that's uh really good advice and like you said, if some markets are really expensive, you might want to look at places that are not, not as expensive, like was Philly, Cleveland, and Baltimore. So there's some really good stuff here. So listen, Brian, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. You shared a lot of great value, a lot of great tips. You know, definitely I, I learned a lot. and I'm sure people that are listening also learned a lot about the real estate market and what to do and what to avoid. So thank you again for being on the show. And Brian, if people want to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to contact you?
0: Uh, the best way to find me, you can, uh, you know, Google Brian Grimes, real estate, or, uh, you'll find me, uh, you'll find me on LinkedIn, Brian Grimes, real estate, uh, on Instagram, Brian Grimes, underscore two, four, seven CFU for the 24 seven cashflow university. Uh, you can find me on YouTube. Brian loves cashflow. It's easy to remember because I love cashflow. So Brian loves cashflow on YouTube. Um, and then on TikTok uh, at Grimes estate at Grimes estate on TikTok. So I'm pretty easy to fi- uh, find. And we have uh, all of those platforms are linked to a training on www.workwithgrimes.com forward slash flow workwithgrimes.com forward slash cashflow, which has a free training. It'll show you how to acquire properties for pennies on a dollar all across the country. You don't want to miss out on that free offer. That sounds good. Thanks
1: again, Brian. Really appreciate it. Have yourself a great day.
0: You too. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you've enjoyed listening, please smash that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our amazing episodes. Please also leave a five-star rating review and have an awesome day.